Harry, Harry Potter, Potter, Potter. Harry, Harry Potter, Potter, Potter. Harry Potter, 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 Harry Harry Potter, Harry Harry Potter, Harry Harry, Harry Harry Potter. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on September 20th, we have our Patreon episode. Ronnie and the Pirate Queen have chosen The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow for this month. Tune in to hear all of our thoughts. Then on September 27th, we will be discussing our favorite non-human side characters. If you haven't signed up for our Patreon yet, what are you waiting for? For just $5 a month, you'll get a shout-out every episode, a The Book Life logo sticker, and access to the monthly Patreon-only episode poll. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, Ronnie and the Pirate Queen. May the flowers bloom extra bright for you this week. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are going to read the final book. Well, not read. We're going to discuss the final book of the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. This is book seven in this wonderfully long series. This book was released on July 21st, 2007, so the year after I graduated from high school. And it had initial run. So the fun fact, guys, initial run. They did 12 million copies of this book, and it sold 8.3 million copies in the first 24 hours. And, remi- and let me tell you, the first run of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, they only did 600,000 copies of that book. So I want you to imagine the scale. That's wild. What is that like? That's insane. That's what that is. Yeah, it's pretty much. This book, well, the whole series in general has been translated into over 80 languages, which I find very impressive. And I was going to verify this, but I got distracted. I think this is the longest book in the series, right? I think so. Pretty sure. I'm at 784 pages. But I can't remember if the Half-Blood Prince is longer now. I honestly don't know. I must verify these things. Nope, this is still the longest because the Order of Phoenix was 766 Half-Blood Prince was 607. Well, but then they're saying it's 607. Well, that's the UK edition. Anyway, guys, it's a long book. Just so you know, we'll just leave it at that, okay? Okay. Wow. But that's what I got for fun facts. There's, so I was talking to Abby. I was struggling to find any fun facts purely about the books because the Harry Potter fandom is so overrun by the um, movies. There's like... They're like 50 fun facts about the movies. And I'm like, I, I need about the book. I don't, I don't care about the movie. Please, please tell me about the book. Honestly, I actually haven't seen the last two movies in the Harry Potter series. I've seen them all, but like six and seven, I don't really remember. I like saw them once and that was it. And I didn't even see them in theaters. Yeah, me neither. I don't know if I saw any of them in theater, honestly. But also I wasn't like, super huge into seeing stuff in the movie theater so yeah i'm not a huge like movie theater goer. i'm not a huge movie watcher in general so like i never saw any of these in theaters it wasn't a priority that's okay well i won't hold it against you because i didn't either you can't hold it against me 
you would be a hypocrite. These things are true. Um, so Abby, would you like to roll us into a summary? Sure. And guys, I'll just tell you now, this is my least favorite of this series. My summary might be a little salty. I apologize, but I'm not actually sorry. Harry Potter and his best friends go on a scavenger hunt with the worst clues ever. Also, the guy who set up said scavenger hunt sucked, and Harry starts to realize that. So if that isn't going to tell you how this episode is going to go, I don't know what else can tell you. Um, <laughs> yeah, guys. Guys, I'm not going to lie. When we started doing this, I was thinking, this is going to be such a fun reread. It's going to be magical. We both like Harry Potter. By the time we got done with the fifth one, I'm like, man, this is just going downhill. I forgot that I didn't actually enjoy the last couple of books in the series. And I feel bad about that, but we said we were going to do this, so we're going to do it. Right. So I, I honestly, Abby, I don't feel like your summary is lacking because on the cover of the book, it says, we now present the seventh and final installment of the epic tale of Harry Potter. Oh, cool. By the book. So like literally that's all they put in here and you're just expected to go and buy this book based on that on the jacket of the book. It's nice to know I gave a more detailed summary than the actual publishers did. Yeah. Which, you know, now I'm verifying the page length. Oh, okay. This this one's 759. I don't know. So, uh, mm, I, mm, I don't know. Either way, it's lots of pages. More than it probably needed to be. Thank you, Dumbledore. It is. Yep. It's a first edition. This is Nate's first edition. Again, I had every single book delivered to my doorstep the day it by Amazon. And I unfortunately lost every book, but the first book that my aunt gave me, thanks to a very sick kitty who just bodily fluid all over my series. But at least Nate has his own copies. That's good, at least. It's funny because, like, my Harry Potter copy that I got from my aunt is the paperback version. And it's so, this is so well-loved, Abby, this this copy, Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone, that the edges are taped. The spine is taped. I had, I, I broke the cover and it's taped. Like, the love, I the amount of times I've reread this book compared to me rereading book seven is phenomenal. Mm, and it smells so good. Ugh, that book smell. <laughs> yeah, I honestly didn't realize when we started this reread that I just hadn't re-listened to the sixth and seventh books. Like, I didn't realize I'd just been re-listening to the first five. It, it never occurred to me. And so... This was a rather rude awakening. <laughs> you know what? It was a journey. And I'm glad that we were able to go on this journey together. And you didn't have to go alone, Abby. Yes, I'm very glad I didn't do this alone. Thank you. No problem. So I guess we'll get off on our tangent. And uh, we'll tell you about every character who um, you encounter in this book. Which, guys, literally every single person in the Harry Potter universe is in this book. But I found some highlights that we're going to mention. First off, we have Harry Potter, who's 17 years old, and he is a Hogwarts dropout. But he can't go back to school because he's being hunted by a big bad wizard. We have Ron Weasley, who also has dropped out of Hogwarts to join Harry on this great grand adventure. 
Hermione Granger. Same thing. I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. Pretty sure she came with them along the ride. Um, We have Albus Dumbledore, the great head professor who actually is dead. But he is mentioned all over this book. Like he, his ghost haunts you in this book. We have Severus Snape, who is working to inform Lord Voldemort of all of Harry Potter's comings and goings. And he is just not being a very nice fellow in this book. We have Lupin, our friendly neighborhood werewolf that we all love and enjoy. We have Mad-Eye Moody, one of our, I wanted to say favorite R's, but he's more eccentric. Our neighborhood eccentric crazy person who's absolutely paranoid and conspiracy theorist. Yeah, Mad-Eye Moody. I don't know, guys. That's that's pretty much him. We got the Dursleys, of course. Petunia, Vernon, and Dudley. Our favorite non- Wizards that we really just love to hate. The muggles that we just wish would go away. Mm-hmm. And I do feel bad for them because they do kind of get uprooted in this book because they have to go in the hiding too or they'll be killed. Hmm. Kind of sucks. Yeah. Oh, guys. And here we keep on going. We also have the Weasley clan. We are featuring Arthur Weasley, who is the father Weasley. We have Molly Weasley, who is mom Weasley. Don't laugh at me. Sorry, the father Weasley. <laughs> Yes, the father Weasley. <laughs> you made it sound like some sort of species. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're a redheaded species. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Okay, we have Fred and George, our lovable twins. We have Bill, who gets ma- married to Floor, which is always exciting. And we have Jenny. Um, I don't believe we get to see Charlie or Percy as much in this book, as far as I can remember. Not as much. They, like, pop in, but... Yeah, but they're not as prevalent. And then, of course, we have Tonks, who is a hair color changing, face color changing or We have Rufus Grimjaw, who is the new head of the Ministry of Magic. We have Griphook the Goblin, who is from uh, Gringotts. We have Creature the House Elf, who came with number 12 Grimold Place when Sirius died. We have Dobby, also a house elf, who is currently working for Hogwarts. We have Luna Lovegood, who is a year behind Harry in uh, Hogwarts, and she is a Ravenclaw, considered very eccentric. We have Neville Longbottom, who is in Harry's year, and he is a Gryffindor. We have Lord Voldemort, the big bad. We have Bellatrix Lestrange, who is Lord Voldemort's right hand, and man, she's crazy. <clears throat> she's crazy. Um, we, <laughs> we have... Lucius Malfoy, who is a disgraced Death Eater. We have Draco Malfoy, who is his son and a kid who attends Hogwarts. He's also technically a Death Eater, I think, in this book, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. We have Umbridge, the evil pink witch. And we have Fenrir Greyback, who is oh, a werewolf who preys on children. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Creature of nightmares, really. Oh, I don't know. For me, rereading this series, Fender Grayback immediately makes me think of a pedophile, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I don't know why. Level. Yeah, I don't know why it took me so long to, like, think of, yes. Uh-huh. Well. He, he assaults children. Yeah. I, mm. So that occurred to me during this reread. Fun things. Gosh, I'm sorry that came to you. Oh, 
I was I was not thrilled by that because I was reminded that uh, Lupin was attacked as a child. But I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, what? Oh. A, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that nightmare fuel. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm so glad to end this half on that note. All right, guys, and when we come back, I mean, I don't know how we can spoil this book for you because I'm sure you know pop culture. I'm sure you probably read the book or at least seen the movie, but hopefully we did not spoil you in the first half, and when you come back, we can spoil you in the second half, so we will see you in a minute. Back to you in a minute, guys. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show welcome back guys and this is the spoiler half so if for some reason you have not read this book or watched this movie i guess pause and go read it or watch it but man honestly at this point just keep listening it's fine (laughs) 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 so we're gonna start with favorite characters Obviously, I love Lupin. Lupin is the best. Who just needs like a really hearty home cooked meal and a big hug? Just <laughs> feed him more, dang it! And like eight straight hours of sleep. That is what this man needs. <laughs> he he needs the basic comforts of life, and I would love to give them to him because holy crap, does he deserve them? <laughs> I also love Tonks, and I love that she and Lupin got married and had a little baby. That makes me very happy. I was so happy about that, but. I was a little annoyed that it was just kind of like this side thing that was just kind of like Tonks held up a ring, Harry goes, congratulations. And then Moody like interrupts and that's all you ever hear about it. I'm like, rude. I wanted 30 seconds to gush about this. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we even got a wedding in the books. I would have enjoyed to heard about their wedding as well. You know, like, even though it was a small thing, I'm like, come on. So yeah, I love them. I love Luna always. I always stand Luna Mm -hmm. because she's fantastic. She's my fellow Ravenclaw. And I just love her little eccentric butt. Like her loyalty, her bright sunny personality, regardless of the situation. I also love how when she meets Dobby... She calls him sir. And he's just like thinking that's the best thing ever. Like she's just one of those people that treats everyone, regardless of who they are, like they're worth something. Yeah. Well, and she just walks to the beat of her own drum and you just have to love her for it. I mean, like I kind of don't blame her dad for giving away the trio. Yeah. Because I would also want my Luna back as well. Luna was my kid. I'm like, sorry, she's too special. No one can have her. To be fair, if I was in Luna's dad's position, I probably would have ended up doing the same thing he did. 
I would have hated myself for it forever, but I would have done it if my kid was on the line. Mm -hmm. So I sympathize with him. I don't think it was right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't have done it in his shoes. So there's your controversial talk for it. Hot take. I don't think he was wrong. He wasn't right, but he wasn't wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And then I also really love Neville. God, I wish I could have seen Neville's side of the story for this book. Yeah. Watching him stand up to the Death Eaters at his school, watching him kind of take a leading role in Dumbledore's army and just like Mm -hmm. watching him finish his character arc. Oh, I would have loved that so much. I love Neville. I love Neville so much. He, like, just such an amazing character growth. Like, so... There's, I, I don't know. I, I sometimes wish the books were... <laughs> this is now the story of Neville, Luna, Jenny, and Hermione. Goodbye, Ron and Harry. See you later. Neville and Dumbledore's army. That's the book I needed for this. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Right? I feel like we we miss so much context of what's going on inside the school until we finally get there. Well, and the sad thing about this book is that because it covers such a wide range of characters, there's so much going on that we never get to see because everything is focused on Harry. And that's great and all. Like, I would have loved to see what Neville and Luna were doing with Mm -hmm. the DA. I would have loved to see Lupin and Tonks actually, like, enjoying their married life for five minutes like anything but the camping trip man i know like we we miss like this would have been the book where i would have been like yes this is where you need to deviate from the harry potter point of view and start looking because i like we, we get that a little bit when we get to see um what book was it book four where we're in tom riddle's house yeah, I mean, like, because we get to see some other glimpse, which I understand is part of the link between Harry and Lord Voldemort. But I also am like, you did this. Can you please continue? Yes. Like, can you go and look at some other characters? Well, like, even if she had just given little glimpses, like, freaking Lee Jordan starting the radio broadcast. Like, I want to see that. Where did he get the idea? Why mm-hmm. did he start it? How did he get the equipment? Uh, show me a couple paragraphs of Lee Jordan yeah. going, I'm going to do this thing. Like, just things like that would have made it so much more interesting. I completely agree. Well, and it's kind of like, and I mentioned this, is like, these books deviate so much from the spirit of the first half of the series that I'm just like, so not drawn into it. I'm not drawn into the world anymore. I become so disenchanted by the end that it took the, what are they called? Um, the Harry Potter Wizarding World, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them movie for me to be drawn back into the world and go, oh my God, I love Harry Potter again because I absolutely love Newt Scalamander and his story, you know? But I struggle with enjoying these last books. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is that just brought me right back into harry potter and i'm like yes this is amazing and then especially these last two books where i just feel like it just wasn't the same yeah well and i understand that like she was going for a darker tone i guess and like trying to age up the books with the audience 
But at the same time, it's like the beauty of this fun, magical world that drew your readers in, it's not there anymore. So. Well, and, and like thinking about, you know, like the Pendragon series, like I feel like we never had to age up with the series. Same thing with Artemis Fowl. Uh-huh. I mean, I can't think of any books I didn't like in those series yeah. compared to when I think about Harry Potter, I think so intimately back about them. I just stopped liking the books after book four, essentially. Yeah, and like with Artemis Fowl and Pendragon, they've still technically aged up in the book, but their authors hung on to what drew the readers in in the first place. And there wasn't this like massive tonal shift. With Pendragon, the last couple books got a little bit darker just because it was getting toward the end but not to this extent. Mm-hmm. No, how did it There were still all sorts of fun traveling between worlds and like being a traveler, which was the whole basis of the book. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we were talking about characters and let's see, we're talking about favorite characters. We took a deviation. Yeah, so my favorite characters are Lupin, Tonks, Luna, and Neville for all these reasons, and also Hermione, which, let's be real, carried the, she's, she's carried the guys, essentially, because they're incompetent. Let me tell you, I genuinely think without Hermione, Harry and Ron would have been caught at Bill and Fleur's wedding when they were attacked. 100%. Because the Death Eaters show up, Hermione is the one to grab them and apparate away. She's the one who packed all of their crap, including the boys' stuff. She's the one who figured out how to put it all into that tiny little purse of hers. Like, Hermione is literally doing all the heavy lifting in this situation. Ron and Harry, I don't know why they're there. Don't know either. I just don't. So I agree. Hermione is great in this book. Yeah. She she carries them because... They don't carry themselves at all. No, they don't. And can I just say how annoyed I was? So they're escaping from the party and Hermione pulls out changes of clothes for both the boys so that they can blend in, right? And freaking Ron decides to be like, I can't get my wand into my pocket. Oh, you packed the wrong jeans. Why didn't you pick? pack my right jeans and she's just like she snaps at him and I'm like please punch him he can pack his own freaking jeans like I was so annoyed and she does she snaps back at him that he should have just packed his own crap and I'm like oh mm-hmm. no I'm, I'm sorry and also I feel like what if that sets the tone of their marriage I can't imagine having a marriage like that that would piss me off so badly all the time Right. I'm just saying, like, we can just move into least favorite characters. Yeah, once again, I still don't like Ron and Harry in particular because of this, because they take advantage of Hermione because they don't, they're not stupid, but they just, I guess maybe that's more of a flaw with how they're written, you know, because they're not stupid characters. They're pretty smart. And I feel like they're not allowed to shine 
you know. Yep. Harry is useless and Ron is trash. Right. And and in reality, like I know Harry is not useless. I know he's pretty smart. He's really good at puzzling and figuring things out. He's a strong wizard. Uh-huh. So I'm a little frustrated, I think, with the writing of him. And Ron, I don't know. His mom raised him better than that. Let me tell you, I would be so disappointed if my son was Ron. Like, right. If my boys grow up and I have a daughter in law, and my daughter in law comes and tells me that her husband pulled something like this. Mm. <laughs> Guess who's side I'm gonna be on? Not your kid. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I don't like Ron in this book. Harry is boring and almost useless in this book. Yep. So we move on to least favorite. Oh yeah, I, I mean we kind of were here already, but let's just actually move into least favorite. So I'm gonna read you my notes verbatim, guys. <laughs> I wrote. I'm disappointed I can't say Dumbledore. Can I say Dumbledore? I'm going to say Dumbledore anyway. It's his fault they're on this stupid camping trip anyways. Like, the dude is dead, but he permeates this book so much, I still feel justified listing him as a least favorite character. Mm-hmm. This freaking scavenger hunt with the crappiest clues ever. And like, what was even the point of this quest? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. It was just because Dumbledore didn't tell Harry crap. That's all his quest is. Like, there there are so many opportunities for Harry, Harry, well, for Dumbledore to share with Harry and educate him and help him. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, you just, I don't know, perpetuate the situation, made it worse. It, it could have gone so much smoother. A good leader is transparent, you know? Yep. Yeah, I don't like Dumbledore either. Snape, Snape, Severus Snape, Dumbledore. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for bringing that up today. You're welcome. Snape, Snape Severus Snape, Dumbledore. Severus Snape, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, <laughs> Harry Potter, Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't like Snape. I do not believe this book redeems him. He's trash. And you'll never convince me otherwise. I'm sorry, but his redemption was book six. And there were so many missed opportunities in book seven with him. Like, I know he was still playing the turncoat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I understand that. I get that. But I mean, I don't know. Even like when he gives Harry his memories and, you know, Oh, he was in love with Lily and he always protected Harry. And I'm like, but he was abusive to Harry. That wasn't love. No. That is what we call obsession, children. That is not love. I like your PSA. Repeat after me. Snape was obsessed with Lily. Not in love. Mm -hmm. I just, oh, I hate that popular media paints Snape as in love with Lily because that's not love. That is in no way, shape, or form love. That is obsession. That is that is obsessively holding on to a relationship the way you want it to have been. 
And that's not love. That's not respecting the other person and going, you don't feel the same way and that's okay. And this is why Snape apologists bother me because they always go back to the, the always and the, he loved Lily. Like, that's not love. You don't understand what love is. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yes, Snape was obsessed, not in love. There's a large difference. <clears throat> and moving on. <laughs> Yeah. I saw that look on your face. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. No. Oh. Okay, and then we have Bellatrix as my next one. <sighs> she is hot for Voldemort, and that is disturbing right there. That would make me dislike her regardless. Crazy. She is crazy. She is evil. She tortures crazy. people for fun. And also, she hurt my boy Neville's parents, and so... That automatically makes her evil. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> yes, Fender Greyback. I've already explained why I don't like him. Mm-hmm. That was a disturbing revelation, let me tell you. Ah, uh, the things you pick up as an adult. So glad we're reading these books now in our 30s, you know? I'm so glad I ruined this book further for myself. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. I-, I will send you a trophy, okay? Okay, world's smallest trophy. Something. I don't know what I'll send you. I guess that sounds good, too. Um, So I don't disagree with you over anything. Dumbledore, the ghost of Dumbledore haunts this book. Like, there are so many things that could have gone better for Harry if he just had the information from Dumbledore. Uh Got nothing on Snape. He just, oh, some kind of something with him. He just... Never grew out of his schoolboy crush. He was just so bitter and creepy. Like, bitter and creepy is just never a good combo for you, okay? Just doesn't work. Yeah. And yes, Bellatrix is awful. She's she crazy. She, she literally is crazy. Snape is not crazy. Snape's just bitter and creepy. But she's crazy. Gosh, I can't remember. Is she the one that tortured Hermione? Yes. Yeah. See, mm, you can't hurt my homegirl, you know? Yep. And then Greyback. The, not, he is not our Lupin. He is not our friendly neighborhood lovable werewolf. Nope. Yeah, but no one else. Like, even, like, Draco and Lucius didn't stand out for me as least favorable characters. Like, and I mean, there's a whole host of people to choose. Even um, Critcher, who we mentioned, I think, in book five as... Or three, I don't know. One of our books as one of our least favorite characters wasn't even that bad in this book, you know? See, Creature gets a bit of a redemption, and I actually liked the wrap-up of his story. Yeah. And, like, it worked really well. I thought it was a good story, and I thought that it really helped redeem Creature. It did. And so I can't dislike him after this book, after his bit of redemption, because as annoying as he was, as horrible as he was in previous books, it's like, yeah, but when you look at the motivations behind why he did those things, I mean, one of the characters, it was either Ron or Hermione, I think, even says that you can't hold him to human standards because as a house elf, he thinks differently than a human does. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was Hermione, honestly. Probably. But like, that's, the whole reason that he did the things that he did. And when you look at it that way, it's like, well, that makes sense. If I was 
forced into servitude. And even if I liked it, if the people I was serving treated me like crap, I definitely wouldn't like them, would I? No. I would like the ones who actually treated me half decently, even if it was only half decently. Like, that's just a general reaction. If you treat people nicely, they're more likely to reciprocate. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a huge serious fan, so I don't really blame Creature for his part in Sirius's death. Yeah, it takes. I might get some flames for that one, but I don't. Um, and I was going to mention, like, we even get a, a uh, glimpse into Umbridge again in this book. And she's still not on our least favorite character list. I like Umbridge as a villain. She's such a good villain. She's such a good villain. The fact that she could wear a freaking horcrux and be perfectly fine and still. Um, what's the spell that you perform to get away the Dementors? Oh, what what is it called? Not the Patronus spell. The Patronus, yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, okay. Oh, good. Go me. She was wearing a piece of Voldemort's soul, and this woman could still perform the Patronus charm. Like, <laughs> you cannot tell me she's not a better villain than Voldemort. I know. <laughs> that that is pure everyday evil, and that's just like. Oh, man. I wouldn't want to walk down the street next to somebody like that. One thing I really, really like as well about her, Mm -hmm. I guess it's weird to say, but I like that her Patronus is a Persian cat. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, man. I'm like, stop. So fitting. So good. I think it would be weird if her Patronus was anything but a cat. Right. Especially if her Patronus had been like a dog or a wolf or something. I I almost want to put her, she's such a good villain. The fact, and I mean, like you said, like she could do the Patronus wearing the locket. Honestly, I've read like this locket, you know, when it was possession of Harry and everybody, you know, it just has such a, well, an influence on them, you know, like such a negative influence. But the fact that on Umbridge could just wear it. And it had like an affinity with her and like strengthened her and made her stronger is even more terrifying, okay? Uh-huh. Like, that's wild. Umbridge should have been the real villain of this series. Fight me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Oh man, can you imagine this series if she'd been the big bad and she was like ascending to Minister of Magic? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. Now see now she it, the story should have been Harry Potter versus the muggle-born hater of Umbridge. I can't think of something clever, but stopping all the muggle-born mandates and, you know, having the prove that you're a pure blood wizard line. Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. Much better plot. Yeah. Would so much go for social justice than go for whatever the hell Voldemort was up to, world domination? Yeah, well, and the thing is, like, World domination is this, like, grand, overarching, crazy, not possible kind of goal. Mm -hmm. And so it's so far out of most people's vision of reality that it's hard to make a true villain with that goal. Especially if you have a villain like Umbridge also in the series, because Umbridge is so much more of a relatable villain. 
not relatable as in I understand her, I want to be her, mm-hmm. I right? could be her more of a I've seen this villain in my life before kind of villain. Yeah. And it's so it's just like she's a much more potent villain because mm-hmm. more people see her in their lives. You don't normally see somebody come into your life that's a villain that's going, world domination. Like that's just not a thing. It's not a thing. But mean teachers yeah people who are just evil like lawfully evil yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's just like that's why she's so much of a better villain than Voldemort man we are full of hot takes tonight Umbridge is a better Mm -hmm. villain than Voldemort oh yeah I I mean I'm with this (sighs) okay so did you have anything else to say about least favorite characters no, no, that's about where I was going because I mean, it's such a big cast, and I'm like, we like didn't name some of the normal big bad characters to dislike, but I just had to have some commentary as well. Yeah. Okay. So, what about favorite scenes then? One, it involves Umbridge. It involves infiltrating the Ministry of Magic under her freaking nose. Like, she thinks she's this big hotshot and so wonderful, and Oh, she's like, I'm going to go get Hermione Granger. I'm going to go get that muggle or that mud blood. And it's like, she's right there. She can get it right now. Oh, not going to get her. You know why? Because Hermione's going to make a copy to lock it. And you'll never know. Ha 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 ha. Seriously. Like, Umbridge, girl, we know you're not dumb. But you were dumb in this one. <laughs> This is honestly, in my opinion, one of the best scenes in the book. It's the trio infiltrating the ministry. Like, okay, A plus plan and definitely like A minus execution, like rolling with the punches and everything. It just, it was so well thought out. It was so well planned. You know, Hermione had a hand in it. But, and it all just worked so well. And it was so fun going in under Umbridge's nose and kind of mm-hmm. facing her down and just, mm, mm, that was good stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, this book has many flaws, <clears throat> the camping scene. But this scene, yes. Thank God we had the scene in this um, book. I would also say I love when they break in the Gingrats. Gingrats, right? Gringots. Gringots, got it. I lo- I mean... You know, they get Luna, they break out with Grip Hook, the goblin. He kind of hates humans, but he's like, yeah, let's go stick at one, two of them, guys. Let's go break into the Lestrange um, vault. Because obviously, she's got something down there, and let's go figure out what it is. And they ended up getting the um, Helga Hufflepuff's goblet cup thing. And I'm like, I like that. I like having that non-human interaction in the wizarding world where you kind of get to see the bigger picture of the world Mm -hmm. versus all this wizarding crap going on it's you know Mm -hmm. good it was an exciting part of the book and i also i really appreciated bill and flora's wedding like it was nice just to see like i always enjoy in book two when harry gets to go to the borough and just enjoy living with a wizarding family and getting to do normal wizarding kid stuff. I feel like, so Bill and Fleur's wedding is one of my favorites too. I feel like it's the only scene really in this book 
that captures the magic of the early books because you're getting to see all this cool magic and it's this pretty wedding setup and everybody's having a good time. And it's just like, it's everyday wizarding stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just, especially all the cool little things that George and Fred set up for the wedding and like the chair changing and the colors. It's just, it sounds so pretty. It sounds so magical. And I'm just like, it made me wish that I was a wizard for my wedding. You know, mm-hmm. so like that's the one scene that kind of brings the magic of the early books in. That's the only scene that does it. So yep, those those are mine. You just keep on going. I really loved Lupin showing up and asking Harry to be Teddy's godfather and like telling them that Teddy was born and all that. Like it's this really nice reprieve amid all this like dark, depressing slow plotting plot of hey life is still happening hey there's still happy things going on despite all of this and Mm -hmm. I I do like the circle that happens because of that and just like Harry getting to be Teddy's godfather and just like Sirius was his and like it's a nice little like family keeping in the family kind of thing and I, I just like that like one happy moment of celebration. Other reasons I wish we would have followed Lupin and Tonks a little bit more. Like, I wanted to see pregnant Tonks. Right. Was she a good pregnant? Was she a crabby pregnant? Was she a I'm going to eat everything pregnant? Like, like we don't know what kind of pregnant. But I want to know. And like, mm-hmm. I really feel after Harry yelled at him, he probably, Lupin would have gone back and been like, the overly protective first-time father like oh no don't lift that it's probably too heavy and she's holding like this tiny box of feathers kind of thing like I feel like Lupin probably would have been that dad and I really wish we would have gotten to see it because that would have made me happy yes I also really liked the subplot of Harry finally starting to realize that Dumbledore wasn't such a great person I don't particularly like that he didn't come to the same conclusions I did, but I can't have everything. That was close enough. It was close enough. Still annoyed that one of his kids got named Albus, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate that even though his ghost is hanging around this book, not everybody loves him because honestly, he wasn't a good person. He just wasn't. So, <laughs> least favorite scenes. Looks like we basically got the same thing. I mean, seriously. Like, how, how can people not dying be your least favorite thing? This, the one that hit me the hardest was Hedwig. Like, I don't know why, like, losing animals in books kills me. Books, movies, whatever media. Animals are just pure souls. And the fact that she was so loyal to Harry and got hit in the crossfire just kills me you know every time and then honestly everyone dying at the end like kind of rough so the first time I read this book I did not realize Hedwig had died oh I genuinely didn't like mm-hmm. the thought it didn't occur to me that she could die and like I don't know I just assumed she like flew out of the cage and flew away and so it wasn't until Harry got back to the Weasley's house and he 
told them that she had died or she or he'd lost her or whatever and I was like wait a minute what hmm. and I had to go back and reread that scene until I found where he had lost her and I was like she's dead no she's dead <laughs> like I just I couldn't believe that she'd been killed off like I, I didn't know what to do with myself so that was a rough first read <laughs> yeah I didn't realize you didn't know that yeah it didn't like it just it didn't register when I read the scene the first time I had to go back and reread the scene and even figure out where it had happened because I was like that didn't happen mm-hmm. <laughs> she just flew away <laughs> so yeah basically anyone dying did you know in the movie the twins that play Fred and George the scene where they show Fred dead is like super short in the movie and the reason is because the twin who plays George was quite literally crying because he was imagining his brother actually being dead and like he just he couldn't take it and so it's this really like tiny like five second scene that you get because that's all he could stand to record I was like I don't blame him that would have done the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I hate Fred's death so much. <sighs> I hate pretty much every st- everybody's death in this. <laughs> the other thing I don't like, and I know a lot of Harry Potter fans will agree with me, I did not like the epilogue. Mm-hmm. I liked the idea of the epilogue. I liked the idea behind the epilogue. I do not like the execution of the epilogue. <laughs> I think all the names are stupid. And honestly... For me, I would have preferred if their daughter had been named Ruby as a tribute to Hagrid because I think that would have been freaking adorable. I agree. And you know Hagrid would have cried. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's like, they have a daughter named Ruby and you can't convince me otherwise because all of their naming was stupid beyond belief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just sorry. I'm just picturing Harry and Ginny telling Hagrid that they're naming their daughter Ruby. And of course Hagrid doesn't get it. So he's just like, well, that's a pretty name. And they're like, it's after you. And seeing him like cry because, you know, it's Hagrid. I would have liked that epilogue better. <laughs> that woman's so much better. Cause that that would been such a wonderful tribute, honestly. You know? Right. Like, it'd be so, it'd be adorable. Better than Albus and Ser, Ser, Servius. Ser, Ser, Servus. Wow. You can't say it. I give up. Severus. Severus. Better than Albus and Severus. Thank you. Yeah. So. <sighs> All right. What's the rating? Three. It's good. I really don't want to reread it again if I don't have to, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm right there too. I'm just like, I give it a three because it's not a terrible book, but oh, <laughs> there's so much camping. Mm. Why is there so much camping in this book? I, I guess people like camping. For me, it's just the spirit just deviated so far from the other books that I just struggled to get into it and enjoy it. Maybe because it was darker. Maybe because it was just an epic cluster, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I I don't know. I just, 
it didn't feel like Harry Potter. Yeah. And that yeah. kind of just makes makes it really hard for me to enjoy it. I wanted to yeah. I agree entirely. There was too much camping and not enough swish and flick. Mm-hmm. Right. So one random thought before we sign off <laughs> that I had while I was reading this book. Harry cuts his finger in the opening chapter. And he thinks to himself that healing cuts is something that was left out of his education. And it occurred to me that really the class that is missing from Hogwarts is Wizards Home Ec. Mm-hmm. Where they learn things like healing minor cuts and washing dishes with magic and making meals with magic and that sort of thing. Like literally all the stuff you see Mrs. Weasley doing. Hogwarts should have had a home ec class. And why not? You know, it would make sense. I mean, it's not a public school. It is privately funded. I don't understand why the home ec class was cut. Well, and not even that is that we know, you know, like there's no wizarding universities there's no higher education Mm -hmm. so in all these little skills like you would think they would have been taught in a class like everyday magic you know right just like we didn't have our own finance classes in high school before releasing to the real world you would think these harry potter kids would get everyday magic classes starting in year one right but instead like us it's have fun figuring this out for yourselves kids bye well, I mean, I kind of like um, how Naomi Novik does it in Deadly Education. Hey, don't die. Here's a book with a spell. Good luck. Yes, I like her magic system with that. Because <laughs> at least then you have a chance. Uh-huh. Ugh. I mean, the main character got, what, 1,000 spells in Old English on how to clean her yeah. room. Yep. That was just one of those like Damn. random thoughts I had when I started this reread, and I was like, Wizards need home ec, man. <laughs> That's just not fair that they have to learn all that themselves. I mean, at least they get her herbology, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess you can have a garden at least. Yep. All right, guys. Well, that is our take on Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows. We hope you enjoyed the ride and enjoyed um, Abby's spiciness that she brought to the, to the chat. <laughs> um, we'll see you again next week. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks, like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.